Welcome to Kingdom Perspective Broadcast, the teaching ministry of Dr. David Ogaga. We believe that this message is going to open up the seals and cause you to have a deeper revelation into the Word of God that will make you see beyond the letters in the Word. Here is Dr. David. Holy Father, we exhort you, we worship and glorify your name. Once again, Father, we come before you to receive instructions. And we ask the Lord to grant us wisdom and understanding and revelation of that good luck we are going to contemplate on. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Okay, um, we want to start another series today. And um, our main test is going to be coming from Luke 16, verse 19 to 31, which is uh, one of the main texts that have been preached for such a long time within the body of Christ. You know the story of Lazarus and the rich man, isn't it? Have you heard about that in the Bible? Lazarus and the rich man. That's what we want to consider in this uh, series of study. And so, Luke 16, reading from verse 19 to 31. The Bible said there was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fell sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gate full of cells. And desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fed from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell, He lift up his eyes, being in torment, and sees Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. Send Lazarus, that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. For I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that in your lifetime you receive your good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted, and he are tormented. And beside all this, between us and you, there is a great God fix so that they which will pass from there to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that will come from there. Then he said, I pray therefore, Father, that you will send him to my father's house. For our five brothers that may have testified unto them 
unless they also come into this place of torment. Abraham said unto him, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, No, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophet, neither would they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. Praise God. Like I said, I know you know this story very well. And you've heard how um, preachers must have used this severally in declaring how hopeless hell is and uh, how terribly bad it is. And this picture is painted for us in such a way that it is indicated this what happened when a man dies. By implication, uh, you and I could be making a choice of where to be by either our fate or as the case may be. Amen? So, the understanding is when a man dies, he's either going to go to hell or is going to go to heaven. That is the picture painted for us here. But I want us to take a deep study on this and not just uh, the issue of what we know or what we've been told or what is commonly preached about this particular passage of scripture. I want us to really, really study it. Because there are certain things that are made clear or pointed out from this passage. For instance, the the rich man said he has five brothers. And so why is it they are five and not four and not six and not eight, but five brothers? So the question is, who are these five brothers? We will need to find out. The Bible tells us here again that the rich man died and was buried. But Lazarus died and was carried. Two things, two different things there. One was buried, one was carried. Do you notice that? Good. Lazarus was carried, but the rich man was buried. So if, if this is speaking to us about the life that we are supposed to experience after that. I don't know how that's going to be interpreted. Again, we'll find that Lazarus was such a beggar from the passage and we're made to understand that he was full of souls. So he was, was full of souls and the dogs were licking the souls. I mean, this kind of horrible picture has been painted there. Anyway, we want to see exactly what Jesus meant by all of this which he said to us. First of all, I want to point out this evening as we begin this study on this journey that this is a parable. Even though the church have preached it to be a literal thing because the word fire is used 
And then they said, literal names are used like Lazarus. Therefore, it must be a literal person. You remember that? Yes, if you have heard people preach this, these are some of the things to bring out. We're going to find out who is the rich man? Who is this Lazarus? Who are the five brothers? These are the things we're going to find out in the course of this study. But like I said, to start with, this is a parable. Now, a lot of people will not see that to be a parable, but let's see verse 19, how it started. Verse 19 says, There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fed sumptuously every day. Verse 20 said, And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, which was laid at his gate full of cells. Most often when you see scriptures begin with their wars, you should be able to know that it's a parable that's about being brought forth. If you look at it, even in the case of Job, you find the same thing. There was a certain man called Job. You understand that? Job is the oldest book in the Bible. It's older than Genesis. Is that okay? Right. Job is a figurative language. That was not a literal man. If you take time to study, you'll be able to understand that. Amen? Okay. So here I said, there was a certain rich man. The beginning of this thing, because when we go back to study, you're going to see that. Uh, Jesus was having a discussion with his Pharisees, and all of a sudden, he launched into this. Because first of all, he was discussing with them, and he talks about the Pharisees, as we're going to read later, that were covetous that derided him. Because we were talking about money. Right. And as soon as he was done with talking about money, he launched into he that married the woman uh, who is dead, committed adultery and long and so on and so forth. You understand that? Now, you see, the question you ask yourself when you're reading is this. What relationship does money matter have to do with marriage? How did Jesus switch from discussing money, covetous people, and then it goes down to the issue of marriage? What's the relationship? We're about to find out. So this is a parable. Let me give you another thing that will show you that it's a parable. Second Samuel chapter 12. Second Samuel chapter 12 verse number 1. Praise God. Bible says, and the Lord said, sent Nathan unto David, and he came unto him and said unto him, There were two men in one city, the one rich and the other poor. The rich man had exceeded many flocks and herbs. You know the story, isn't it? Yeah, and then the rich man that had so much had a visitor, and then the question was that the rich man went and grabbed from the poor man to entertain his visitors and so on and so forth. But you know the story. 
Yeah, here Nathan was actually talking about David killing Uriah's wife. You understand that? But how did he begin that? He said, there were two men. He gave a parable. And David said, oh man, as long as I live, that man cannot, no, no, no. And David, I mean, Nathan said, you are the one. Remember this story. Okay, so this is what you know, opens up parables most times when Jesus talks about uh, issues like this. Okay, so we we'll need to know why Jesus launched into this kind of parable in Luke 16. And um, so let's go back to, you can't really get to Luke 16 until you first go to Luke 14. Something precipitated, something led to why Jesus said what he said in Luke 16. So you go now to Luke 14 and verse 1. You may not read all of that, but you can find time to read all of that. Luke 14 verse 1. Bible says, and it came to pass as he went into the house of one of the chief Pharisees to eat bread on the Sabbath day that they washed him. They washed him. Notice that. And behold, there was a certain man before him which had dropsy. And Jesus answering spake unto the lawyers and the Pharisees saying, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath day? And they held their peace. And he took him and healed him and let him go. Now, soon that was done, if you read down, Jesus began to teach. He started the illustration, he started teaching with so many things he was trying to illustrate with. Talking to the people. Praise the Lord. Now, after this, go to Luke 15, verse number 11. Here you see, you talk about the issue of the prodigal son. He spoke this parable unto them. That's what you're going to see. And he said a certain man, no, no, go to Luke, yeah, had two sons. A certain man had two sons. Here is another parable. Is that okay? Now, if you check from Luke 15 to Luke 16, you're going to have five parables. Parable of the lost coin, the lost sheep, the prodigal son. You understand that? There are five parables from Luke 15 to Luke 16. Now, you have to understand exactly what happened in this context. Look at verse 1 of Luke 15. Back to verse 1 of Luke 15. Bible says, Then drew near unto him all the publicans and sinners for to hear him. Move down a little bit, verse 2. And the Pharisees and scribes murmured, saying, This man received sinners and eateth with them. Look at the next thing. And he spake this parable unto them, saying, Did you get that? Very good. I want you to pick it. So now, what is happening? Chapter 14, 
He healed the guy with a dropsy. And they started teaching. And then when he got to chapter 15, a lot of people now start following him. They want to listen to his teachings. And most of the people that came around to listen to his teachings were scribes, Pharisees, and, you know, publicans, which they refer to as sinners. And so what's the next thing that happened? They start criticizing him that if this man had known the kind of people that are around him, you understand that? Dude, they begin to criticize him and use a kind of harsh languages on him because the crowd came and that was because he healed the man with the dropsy and they begin to teach. So he used the avenue of healing that man to open up a teaching class, if you will. And so I'll begin to teach. These people came and start criticizing him because the crowd came. And most of the people that came were publicans and those people call sinners in their own language. And so in verse 3 now, he now said, he spake this parable unto them saying, look at the next verse. He said, what man of you having an hundred sheep, if a lost one of them doth not leave the ninety and nine and the wilderness and go after that which is lost until he finds it. You understand that? So you have the parable of the lost sheep, you have the parable of the lost coin, on and on and on, then to the prodigal son. Is that okay? Right. Now, when you look at this parable, what was Jesus doing here? He was trying to say, well, you think you are righteous, but the thing is this. These people who are the sinners, is that okay? We've come to listen to me. God takes the light in them. I'm interested in them. God is interested in them. So the point is this. If using the, the parable of the lost sheep and the parable of the lost coin, and then even that of uh, the, the other one that follows. He was using these three parables to encourage these people that they were calling sinners. Did you follow that? Did. You know, the publicans all of them came. And when the Pharisees were speaking, they were hearing also. So it's like they were being insulted. Now Jesus gave this parable to do what? To encourage them. Is that okay? Right. It's like saying, don't worry that you're being called a sinner. I came for you. And God is more interested in you. You got the picture now. Very good. So this is what led to all of that. So he had the parable of the lost sheep, parable of the lost coin. All of these things were to encourage the people that they were calling sinners. Then when it got down to uh, the parable of that's verse 11, the prodigal son and this other parable now, which is the one we are dealing with, of Lazarus and the rich man, these two parables were actually spoken to address the people that were criticizing him, which were now the Pharisees. So two, two things you see in those five parables. Three, we are to encourage those who are called sinners. And then two was an indictment of these people who claim to be righteous people. Are you following it now? Good. Now, I will tell you that. But if you take time to study, you'll be able to see, as we are going to see much later anyway, that when he gave the parable of the prodigal son, 
It was only yesterday the Lord made me to begin to understand the excess of the parable. What was he talking about? He was talking about the Jews and the Gentiles. The Jews are the senior brother. The Gentiles are the senior son. I mean the junior boy. You understand that? He was talking about the Jews and the Gentiles in relation to God. The Jews don't want the Gentiles to come in. You remember the language that Peter used when he was talking about the issue of Colinius? You remember that? Good. Kill and eat. He said, no, I've not eaten anything that is unclean. And God said, you can't call what is clean, unclean. Or what God has meant clean to be what? Unclean. And that was referring to the household of who? Of Colinius. Praise the Lord. So these two parables, that of the prodigal son, and the one we are considering which last from the rich man, was an indictment on the Pharisees that we are accusing him that he's having fellowship with sinners. Is it making sense to you now? Okay, praise the Lord. Alright, hallelujah. So, parables are very important. And Jesus was always teaching and using parables most time. And I'm going to explain part of why he was also using parables. So here in verse 3 of Luke 15 we are said, and then you give them the parable. I mean, verse 3 was it? And he spake this parable unto them, saying unto them. You must remember the people he was talking to. Those who were criticizing him. Is that okay? Praise the Lord. Yeah, it's very important when you're reading so that you can be able to, you know, put things together. When he said, and he spake this parable unto them. Who are the them? So, first of all, I'm concluding that this picture of, of, of Lazarus and the rich man is a parable. Because that makes up the fifth parable of the, I mean, yeah, of the five parables that he gave from Luke 15 to Luke 16. There are five parables. Is that okay? And this one is the last parable that he gave in that the whole of that discourse. Now remember it was a discussion because of what happened in Luke 14. Then chapter 15 verse 1, the crowd came and then was being criticized. And because he was being criticized, he started to give parables. Hallelujah. And one thing again I need you to understand of all the parables it gave, you must understand they all relate to the kingdom of God. They have kingdom truths embedded in them. They are not just stories. Okay. Now, what is a parable? A parable is an analogy. You know, it's a simile. A representation in a story form. Okay. Which could either be a fable, so long as you use to illustrate certain essential point of truth. You know, um, moonlight stories in those days. Remember how they used to give us stories about turtles, about air. Amen? Yeah, to illustrate the wisdom in the turtles and so on and so forth. Did you have some of those stories? Some of you are too young to know that. What you know today is television. Yeah, but, amen? Praise the Lord. Okay. So, we have all of that. Those things are parables. They are story, moonlight tale, whatever, African moonlight tales, whatever the case may be, but 
they were stories that illustrate divine truths that guides you in the way to live and so on and so forth. Amen? Praise the Lord. Okay, so parables are actually um, analogies and stories that illustrate spiritual, I mean certain spiritual truths that you are supposed to know. An analogy is not uh, necessarily the truth all by itself. No, but it's, it's analogy also the truth which it helps to illustrate. For instance, if somebody says, um, my wife is a regular habit, I mean a regular rabbit. Is that saying that the woman is a rabbit going on four, on four legs? No. But when he say my wife is a regular rabbit, what he's trying to say is my wife likes vegetables. Or you can equally say she's a vegetarian. Do you understand that? Are you with me? Yeah. It's like what people say, say that man is a dog. And you know what that means. They say that man is a dog. That means promiscuous. That's what he's saying. It's not saying it's a dog that barks. You know, and, and you understand what I'm saying? Right. This is a kind of simple illustration. It's a kind of similes and analogous, and that's like a parable. There are truth contained in such statements, and it takes the man with understanding to be able to ravel that. So if somebody say, like I said before, my wife is a regular, regular rabbit, and then you go out of that place and say, Pastor's wife is a rabbit. So when you know, say that's what he said, and my wife is a regular rabbit. You just know that you don't have head. <laughs> you understand that? Come on, are you with me? Right. So, like I said, when you say man is a dog, you're only referring to his character. That is to say, he's promiscuous. Not that he's, a, he's walking on four legs and he back like uh, a dog. That's not what you mean. Right? Or it's like you said, um, the man has already done to his vomit. It's like a dog that returned to his vomit. What is that supposed to mean? What he go, I went out for, he's coming back to it. Is that okay? Praise the Lord. So these are parables, these are similar, these are analogous statements that people can make. And I'm trying to make you understand that, like we're reading Luke chapter 15, verse 3, is that this parable unto them. We need to understand what's a parable. There are truths in the parable, but the parable itself is not exactly what is supposed to be. You can't take the things used in the parable in a literal sense. Am I, are you with me? Good. You can't take these things used in the parable in a literal sense. So, if we are saying, help me Jesus, if we are saying, Lazarus rich man is a parable, and we agree that's a parable, then we are not going to see Lazarus as a physical being, or Abraham as a physical being, all of this thing illustrates certain things, divine spiritual realities, but not that they are physical being, and there's a particular place that is called Hades, and there's another place that is called Abraham's bosom. Are you getting that? Good. But I can as we go on, you'll be able to understand. Uh, the Jews believe when they talk about Abraham's bosom, they talk about paradise, they talk about a place like Eden, they talk about a decent place, that's what I refer to as Abraham bosom. They are not talking when you use the word Abraham bosom, it's not talking about this one place and then Abraham is there and then that's the bosom of Abraham. No. 
Hallelujah. And so when you understand that, then again you're able to see whether the fire is literal or not. He gave this a parable and then <coughs> you are not going to conclude that the fire is a literal fire. It's not gasoline. Amen. Good. Anyway, uh, in Matthew 13 from Amplified Translation, Matthew 13 verse number 10, um, we'll just read that. And let's see how Jesus talked about each of parables. You know, he was always teaching in parables, especially where you have the, the Pharisees and all those class of people. He launches into parable. So, then, the disciples came to him and said, why do you speak to them in parables? And he replied them, he replied to them, to you, it has been given to know the secrets and the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. But to them it has not been given. For whosoever has spiritual knowledge, to him will more be given. And he will be furnished richly, so that he will have abundance. But from him who has not, but for him who have not, even what he has will be taken away from him. This is the reason that I speak to them in parables. Because having the power of seeing, they do not see. And having the power of hearing, they do not hear. Nor do they grasp or understand. And them indeed is the pro- process of fulfillment of the prophecy of Isaiah. Which says, you shall indeed hear and hear but never grasp. And understand, and you shall indeed look and look, but never see or perceive. Verse 15. For this nation's heart has grown grass, fat and dull, and their ears heavy and difficult of hearing, and their eyes they have tightly closed, lest they see and perceive with their eyes, and have and hear and comprehend the sense with your ears and grasp and understand with your heart and turn and I shall heal them. So now Jesus was referring to Isaiah chapter 6 verse 9 and 10 and he was saying this is what had been fulfilled in the ears of these people. But now what I want you to see is that parables Help those who are spiritually enlightened. But it makes those who are not enlightened duller. Well, you say, even that which they have will be taken away from them. So it simply means when parables come forth, those who have spiritual understanding, they get more confused. And this is why we preach this story of Lazarus and the rich man as if it's a literal thing somewhere. Why? Because it's a parable and because we are done spiritually, we have no understanding of what Jesus is talking about. Are you getting me? Praise the Lord. So only a few with him could understand what he was teaching. 
Others like the Pharisees could not. And the words of Isaiah 6, 9 to 10 is being fulfilled according to the scriptures. So a parable will confuse the bewildered and perplex, the doubting and unbelieving. Those who have no spiritual understanding, they get more confused when they read parables, especially the parables of Jesus. Are you getting it? I just told you from Luke 15 to Luke 16 are five parables. Two, I mean three, were to encourage those people that were calling sinners. So he said, God will leave the 99 and look for the lost one. By implication, I came because of sinners. Is that okay? Right. Lost coin. I will look for that one, leave the other one. So those boys are calling sinners. I come for their sake. And he turned around and he talked about the prodigal son and the senior brother who will not allow the junior brother to come back home because he wasted the resources. And then Lazarus and the rich man. I'll make you understand. Who is Lazarus who is the rich man? But I'm saying, for the unenlightened spiritually, you read this story, you get more confused. Why? Because it's not given to everyone to understand the parables of Jesus. Because they are kingdom truths. Are you getting that? It's very important you understand this. Jesus said, when parables, he said, I speak to them in parables. For you it is given to know the mystery of the kingdom, but for them it is not given. And therefore, for those who is not given, when they hear the parable, they get more confused. They get more doubts in their heart. They become more like serious or chronic unbelievers. Because they can't fathom out what he is saying in those parables. But for you who is in the kingdom, you have understanding of what he's talking about. So you are not taking the thing he's saying. You know that these are analogies, these are uh, spiritual truth that contain and the parable that is given out. You can understand that, but man who is not in the kingdom, who have no kingdom truth, no. When he sees Lazarus, he's thinking about literal Lazarus. You forgot that this is chapter 16, and in chapter 11, he raised Lazarus from the grave. Did you get that? Why do you think he chose the name Lazarus? <laughs> Why do you think, he said, even if they come from the dead, they will not still believe because Lazarus rose, they doubted it and even when he rose from the grave, they will not still believe that he has risen. Lazarus is Jesus. Are you following me? That's why he said, no, let them read Moses and the prophets. For if one should go out from the grave, from the dead, they will not still believe. Why? Remember in Luke 24, the three disciples going to Emmaus, he explained to them from the law and the prophet. I mean, if you understand that, concerning him. So what he was saying, if they read the law and the prophet, they will understand that the person talking to them is the Messiah. We will decode all of this so that you can see it. One thing is this. Apart from being dull of spiritual understanding, 
I'm talking about the church. Because they have not been able to align with kingdom truths. The fact remains that we are very lazy in studying the word of God. We read, but we don't study. The Bible didn't say read. It says study to show yourself approved unto God. A workman that needed not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. He didn't say read. He says study. So we have a bunch of lazy people, ministers in quote, who don't study. Therefore, when they see Lazarus, it ends there. When they're reading a parable, they won't understand what the parable is talking about. Because to them, it's not given to know the mystery of the kingdom. Are you there with me? For the enlightened people, those that have been given to know the mystery of the kingdom, parables will enlighten them and quicken them to the place of receiving spiritual truth. Anytime they read across a parable, they'll be able to see the truth. The disciples of Jesus, they have this understanding because he was already explaining the parables to them. But for the scribes and Pharisees who are always accusing him, he had no time to explain the parables to them. So they have no clue as to what he was talking about. Even when he was talking to them, talking about them, they never knew that he was talking about them. Hallelujah. So from this context here, well, the story of Lazarus and the rich man is in fact a clear parables, like I said. Amen. Again, I tried to explain at the beginning what led to this parable. Again, Luke 16, verse 19. Where there was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fire lady and fed sumptuously every day. And like we read in Luke 15, verse 5. And he spake this parable unto them, saying, Unto which people? The scribes and the Pharisees that were accusing him that is fellowshipping with sinners. He was speaking this parable to a people. Hallelujah. So, and we know that all of this started from Luke 14. We said it before, right? Right now from Luke 14 down to Luke 15 when the people gathered after I healed the man of dropsy. Hallelujah. So this is what led to the parables like I said in chapter 15 and 16. Like I also mentioned to you now. The whole of this parable there were five parables in all. Five separate stories that he gave. The first of which is the story of the lost sheep, like we mentioned. And the last is the story of the rich man and Lazarus. These are the five parables you find there. The lost sheep, the lost coin, and on and on and on. And the prodigal son. The first one is the lost sheep. The last one is the Lazarus and the rich man. So understand that chapter 16 is a continuation of chapter 15. Is that okay? Hey, are you with me? Now, if you, if you have the Bible with red letters, you're going to see 
That is the Bible that I have read letters indicating wherever Jesus made a statement is printed in red. Do you have such a Bible? Mine have that. If you have that kind of a Bible, you're going to find that everything we're talking about actually are the words of Jesus starting from chapter 15 down to 16. So it's one dialogue that he had there. So he spread his parable to them referring to all the parables from the Lord coin, the Lord sheep, the prodigal son, then to this other one we are dealing with, which is Lazarus and the rich man. He said this parable unto them. Amen. Like I said, the first three part was to encourage the sinners and the publicans. That the last two part was to condemn these heartless and wicked rulers of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Is that okay? The first three parables, when you go back home, go read them, chapter 15 to chapter 16. The first three parables were to encourage the sinners that they were trying to discourage. Then the last two parables was actually to condemn the heartless condition. That's why I bring the parable of the senior brother of the prodigal son who was angry, doesn't want him to come in. He was trying to tell them about the condition of their heart towards the people. That if you want to use the word I lost. Can you get the meaning now? Right. And like I said, because when we proceed, we'll be able to see that. That there are two major people always that God was always talking about the Jews and the Gentiles. The Jews were the rich people. <laughs> As we progress, we'll be able to see it. The rich men are actually the Jews from the house of Judah. Right? Amen? And Lazarus represents two dimensional people. Jesus himself and the Gentiles. Remember, the dog was feeding from the crumbs that formed on the rich man's table. How many of you remember a story in the Bible, the Phoenician woman? who was telling Jesus, come and heal my child. And Jesus said, no, the bread is not meant for dogs. How many of you remember that? Good. And what did he say? He said, no, but even the dog will eat of the crumbs. <laughs> Praise God. So what's saying the Gentiles in that contest? You see what it means? Hallelujah. We're going to deal with all of that. So that this passage will be open to you. You will begin to understand more accurately what Jesus was talking. And like I said, he was talking to the Pharisees. And this is a parable. Praise God. So, the first three to encourage, the last two to condemn the heartless Pharisees. If this is a real life situation, like the way I've been preached, after that, then those in heaven will be able to talk to those in, in hell. Think about that. Because it's not far apart. I mean, did you understand what I'm saying? If this is the story of love on the rich man, it's a literal thing that's going to happen when men die. That would mean hell and heaven are very close. That would mean somebody in heaven can talk to somebody in hell. Am I right? Oh yeah. Because the rich man could still talk to Abraham and Lazarus. And if Lazarus is in the bosom of the father which is heaven, the rich man is in hell, are you following what I'm saying now? 
How come the rich man is talking to the man in hell? That means hell is very close to heaven. <laughs> Praise God. I mean, did you understand what I said? If we go by what the church is teaching, now this is what they don't understand. They want to use that to frighten you, to intimidate you. You don't frighten people to love God or to come to God. You give love to people for them to come to God. If it's loved of them, we love him. Let the people know how much love God has for them. Not frighten them with hell. That is not going to make anybody repent. God has not given us the spirit of fear, the Bible says. Are you with me? Praise God. Are you following what I'm saying here? So if we go by the way it's been taught in the church... That this is what happens when men die. And that would simply mean somebody who is in heaven can talk to somebody who is in hell. Because they were communicating. Another implication of that belief is this. If you were a father, but even in this condition, if you were a father, and your son is in hell. And you can literally see your son crying every day. Are you going to enjoy the joy of heaven? But that's what we teach. We don't know that that is what we're teaching. We said this is hell, fire, torment. Yes, agreed. <laughs> Hallelujah. Basanizo. People don't understand the word torment from the Greek word basanizo. We will explain all of that. To try by the proving stone. Hmm? <laughs> so here, here we go. If this is a literal situation, that means a father or a mother will see heaven, but have a child in hell, being tormented, be roasted. And remember, it's forever and ever. Where would they have the joy of being in heaven? You see your child being roasted every day. And you can help. Will you be able to sing? Because they say when well, I'm going to heaven, I'm going to be singing all the, all the time. Hallelujah. Yeah, yeah, they are crying for water. Now let me ask you this question. What will a finger of drop of water do for a man that's in the midst of a gasoline situation. Huh? It's not asking for a bucket of water, I say a finger. Before the water gets from the man, from Lazarus to the rich man, the water will have dried out. Am I correct? Yeah, you drop water is dropping to the place. How will you be able to get the water? The heat will drain the water evaporate before it gets there. People forgot that the water is Holy Spirit. They don't understand that. Parable is actually confusing the church people. They forgot that water speaks of the Holy Ghost. The finger of water speaks of the power of the Holy Spirit. I was sharing this with my wife yesterday. How many of you remember? That even in Egypt, the magician said, this must be the finger of God. And God told the children of Israel, 
in the book of Exodus, I brought you back with a finger, with my finger, the finger of the Holy Spirit. If I cast out devil with the finger of God, then the Holy Ghost, I mean the kingdom of God has come unto you. In Matthew 12, 28, he said, if I cast out devil with the with the Spirit of God. Then in Luke said, if I cast out with the finger of God. So the finger of God is the Holy Spirit. When he said, Dr. Finger, he's trying to say, let me change my language with which I was insulting you. And the only thing that can humble you to change your language is the Holy Spirit. But we think he's talking about H2O. Because it's a parable. Those who don't understand kingdom realities when they see water, for them is H2O. Is that okay? Are you listening? I know what we preach about that. Say, oh, hell is very hopeless. It's a place where people are crying for a drop of water. That's how hopeless it is. <laughs> Praise God. Oh. Hmm. Amen. Okay. This theory is that people propound another picture that Jesus was painting for us in the parable. Jesus cannot use for instance the picture of a rich man to represent the rest of the world as sinners because what we are taught in church is like saying because the rich man was rich that is why he went to hell. Have you noticed that? If riches is what makes people go to hell, because Jesus never said that the rich man was a sinner. I don't know if you remember that. Dude, so the only thing, because he said, Abraham said, when you were in your lifetime, you have all the good things that you enjoyed. You understand that? Right. And Lazarus had nothing when he was in his lifetime. So, it's like, when they paint the picture for us, say, if you are rich, then you're getting into trouble. But if being rich is what makes you to go to hell, then all of us preachers with our private jet, we need to go sell them off. Unless we are not prepared to go to heaven. Are you with me? That is the deception in the message they preach. Amen? So, they try to say those going to hell are the rich people because Jesus never said the rich man was a sinner. No, 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 no. He never said anything like that. And if what makes you go to heaven to avoid hell is to be poor, then all of us must no longer go to the hospital. We should be sick with sores in our body. We should be smelling and stinking. Then we can go to heaven. That's the gospel they preach because they don't understand simple parables and the power that are contained in those words of Jesus Christ. Are you following what I'm saying here? Praise the Lord. Because remember, Lazarus was full of souls, was a beggar. Is that okay? Yeah. So well in this lifetime he had nothing. Now over here he's enjoying. Okay. So if, if that's what would take us to the place of enjoyment then everybody must be a poor man then all of this preaching of prosperity makes no sense. Because when you're preaching prosperity to people, you are indirectly leading them to hell. And now that is what they preach, unknown to them. Hallelujah. What was the offense of the rich man? 
if the riches are led him there, then we certainly, as we keep on preaching all of those things, must believe that everybody who has wealth is going to hell. Is that okay? Yeah. If it is riches that made this man to go to hell, that means everybody who is acquiring wealth today is preparing for hell. That's the foolishness of the message we preach because we lack understanding. Hallelujah. Because you see, Abraham's word to him was, Son, remember that you in your lifetime receive your good things and likewise Lazarus evil things. That's what Abraham said. If what the church is teaching today is to be the truth, then most people will do what? Will go to hell. Is that okay? Because they are already having good things. Everybody is living well. Everybody wants to live well. Prosperity. We have to own everything. We fly in private jets. Jesus said, I mean, Lazarus is saying, oh, come on. You see, you see what he was saying? In your lifetime, you have good things, but Lazarus have nothing. <laughs> then again, Jesus did not say that Lazarus was a good man. He didn't say so. He didn't say he was a righteous man. He didn't say he was a Christian or anything of the sort. The bare description for this man was that he lived a hard life. In his lifetime. So if going to Abraham's bosom. Is to live in a hard life. You don't need to pray for prosperity. You don't need to pray. To get better. Because your hard life. Will give you something better. So I think the best thing. When you enjoy a hard life. I mean because that's the way. When you're going through a hard life. You say well I have hope. I'm going to be in Abraham's bosom. Huh? So go through a hard life. No money. Poverty, sickness all over your body. Don't even treat it. Sores, wounds, smelling you know, like a madman. Don't treat it because that will take you to heaven. That's the preaching of the church. Hallelujah. Are we still here? So you find that this doesn't make sense. To believe that a little finger of water like I said before. Can cool a man's tongue in that kind of flaming fire. That is foolishness. It can't happen. Oh, glory. So, the only people that, pro the proponent of this theory of being a literal place after death is the only thing they find they can lay hold on to to be literal is the issue of fire. Is that okay? Hallelujah. But another difficult thing for them in interpreting this passage is the rich man be body and physically be in a place of torment, flaming heat, immediately after burial. Because you need to understand that. He said, the poor man died, was carried to the bosom of Abraham, and the rich man, and he was carried, I mean, he was buried instantly. How are they going to interpret that? Huh? Now, if you bury somebody in the grave, for instance, even if you choose to go Exhume that person maybe about a month's time. The tongue is already decaying. So which tongue would you all say that you cool? This man was dead. If the man was dead, the tongue is already dead. What tongue was that? James will tell you that a tongue is a wall of fire. How many of you remember that? 
Life and death and the power of the tongue. What was it that was the problem that led them there with the tongue? They derided Jesus. As we're going to find out much later. They used their tongue to abuse Jesus. And they went and said, we are sorry. Help us. Jesus was telling them, this is what is going to happen to you. A day is coming when you are going to say, oh Jesus, we are sorry for what we said. As we receive the Holy Spirit. Praise the Lord. Alright, so friends, this is just it. Now using the word eternal damnation, punishment, to make it real, that's what the people teach. It's not enough for one to have ever explained what the purple and the lily stands for. If you say the fire is a place of eternal torment, what about the rich man that is purple and have linen? What are they? You have no clue. Huh? Why is the rich man having fire, brothers? You have no clue. The only thing you ever can find out from the whole of that passage is eternal damnation in hellfire. What about the, all the other features in the parable? You have no answer to any of them. Because you don't understand what parable stands for. Praise the Lord. So I'm trying to say all these details speaks about kingdom truths. Like every parable that Jesus will ever give. So this is a parable. This one we're dealing with is prophetic and of spiritual truth. Nothing to do with entrance into heaven or hell. Or the condition of people when they die. Nothing to do with that. He was talking to literal people. And those who actually were sensitive spiritually, they understood what Jesus was saying. I'll make you see that. Are you still there with me? Because you see, for instance, I was explaining to somebody who came to the office to see me yesterday. He asked a question talking about the issue of hellfire. And I said, you need to explain which of the hell you're talking about. Is it Gehenna, Tataru, Hades, or Sheol? Which one do you mean? It is only when you explain properly what you mean in context that you're able to know exactly. For instance, in, in, in Luke we are dealing with, the word hell is actually the word Hades. Hades means the undeparted wall of the spirit. He's not talking about the grave. In the Old Testament, the word Sheol speaks of grave. Literal grave where you bury people, you find a cemetery, it's called Sheol. Is that okay? When you talk about Gehenna, Gehenna have nothing to do with uh, a Now, you see, you tell a Jewish man, like you read in Mark chapter 9, Jesus always talking about Gehenna, Gehenna fire. Gehenna fire actually from the valley of Hinnom. And it's the southern part of Jerusalem. And now what happens is, it's like, okay, if you cross this road, you're going through a mount, to the left side, you're going to see refuse dump there. Immediately after the bridge, where they're dumping refuge, right? So now, if they, into the southern part of Jerusalem, with such a valley, it's called the Valley of Hinnom. Now, when Josiah was rebuilding Jerusalem, he was dumping everything there. And then he set fire to the refuge and continuously burning. And when he talked about worms not dying, it has to do with if like for instance, throwing goats there, part of the goat could be consumed by fire, the other part is not consumed, and then there's warm all over the place. So what Jesus was telling them is this, you are going to die the death of a criminal. That is to say, you are not going to be buried. 
And for a Jewish man, that is very painful. Because they value their barrier more than anything else. That's why you find that Joseph Arimathea was able to prepare his own grave because he was rich, which he gave to Jesus. Are you following it now? So, but when criminals die, they just throw them into that same place. It continued burning. It's like an incinerator to, to clean the city. So if you read from Philip translation, the word you are going to see there is refuse dump. People are so lazy to study. So they don't understand what Jesus always talks about. If you are a literalist, you confuse yourself the more because you don't understand the parables of Jesus. It's not given to you to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. Are you following what I'm saying here? So friends, what am I trying to talk to you tonight? I am saying this Lazarus and the rich man's story is a parable. And for those who have kingdom wisdom and understanding, they understood what Jesus was talking about. And in the course of this study, I'm going to make you see every element in the Bible, I mean in that story, the rich man, the Lazarus, the linen, the purple, the five brothers, the torment, the Hades, the tongue, I'm going to explain every one of them to you bit by bit so that you can understand what Jesus was speaking to the Pharisees. Don't forget that in Luke chapter 15 verse 3 he said, and he said these parables unto them. So we're dealing with parables that Jesus gave to the Pharisees. God bless you. Thank you for listening to Dr. David Ogaga. We know you have been blessed by this station. You can share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information, inquiries, and free downloads, please visit www.davidogaga.org or you can send us an email admin at gkai.net. God bless you.